0: Previously on Sequelitis. Hey, I liked Man, it. Man, I, I missed out on that. I liked it. But anyways. I can tell. It <laughs> definitely stuck with you.
1: <laughs> I was doing a joke. But anyways. <laughs> if you don't get my joke, then you don't get it. But it was it was a joke that combined No, I two- got
0: it. I, I get the joke.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Welcome to Sequelitis. Welcome to Sequelitis i'm matt and i'm manny and we are back we're quarantined and we're back you're at home we're at home everyone's at home you
0: guys are listening to us we can't hear you because this only goes one way
1: so one-way podcast this is your one-way ticket to hear what two guys think about a bunch of old movies
0: By all means, if you have some thoughts, if you want to scream some things at your phone or computer or whatever device you're using, by all means, do it. Like, knock yourself out. Make yourself feel good. We are not going to hear you. (laughs) We
1: haven't seen any new movies recently because no new movies have been coming out. Oh, you know what I have been watching? Have you seen The Mandalorian? I just finished that.
0: Yes, I've watched all of The Mandalorian, and that would probably be a good sequelitis episode to go over. There's some things that I really like that they did on that series, and I'm looking forward to watching the next season, although I do have the expectation that it is going to fall off in either the second or the third season. But I do like what they were trying to go for, and there were a lot of things that I enjoyed, and I kept going with it all the way through the final episode. Well,
1: I'll give you I'll give you my hot take if I may. Okay, please do. Now, I'm a humongous Star Wars fan. I don't know what is your Star Wars street cred. I'm not certain. But I, I'm a hardcore fan. And can I just say that I'm a super hardcore fan of Star Wars. And the original notion that made me fall in love with Star Wars and, like, what I think Star Wars is in a nutshell is this idea that anybody can be a Jedi. You know, all you have to do is train. You focus in on the Force. It's kind of like a meditation kind of a thing. That was what they gave us in the original Star Wars that I liked so much you know Luke Skywalker is just this farm boy and now it has morphed into this gross thing where it's about bloodlines and this series does it even one worse and basically just says that this whole species of creatures the Yoda species can just move things with their mind it's like it's not a bloodline it's just all of these guys can do it so if you find these guys out in the wild someplace these things should be they, they should be ruling the universe technically why aren't they in sh- objection? Why aren't they in charge of everything?
0: I'm gonna claim conjecture in this matter. I strenuously disagree with the argument that Council is making. But how so? Uh, what I would like to say is that I don't think that it at any point explicitly says that this creature is the same species as Yoda, and this means that all of the members of Yoda's species have the powers displayed by Yoda and this.
1: It does say that i can give you the scene the chapter and verse where it does it does it yes it does in the very last episode there's two annoying stormtroopers talking to each other for too long it sounds like a red versus blue bit it's like why don't we run around with this guy in my backpack anyway it's like well i don't know why don't you kick him in the head
0: and they say hey check it out we're stormtroopers and we can't shoot very good that's a funny
1: joke right (laughs) rinse repeat And then one of the lines of dialogue they say in that scene that this is a species of creatures that can move things with their minds. They say that, which makes it canon, in my opinion, because they put that in the show.
0: Okay, well, what that is saying is that once you brought that up, I was like, I think I remember there being a discussion. I thought it was the villagers in the, um... We can't figure out how to stop an Adat at village, but... That
1: was so stupid.
0: I do remember the scene that you're talking about, and I think in that case, all that is displaying is that, Hey, look, members of this species do possess telekinetic powers, but that does not equate to they have control of the force. Yeah. Which... The Force is telekinetic powers, you know. Uh-huh. Just <laughs> They've never spelled it out exactly as such, but yeah, that's what they are. It's just a matter of the intensity.
1: Well, a- anyway, long story short, the show is shit. <laughs> and it does not break any new ground. I hated it. I do not understand why people are going nuts for The Mandalorian. It's shit. It's trash. It doesn't make any sense. It gets worse as it goes along. And that one episode with Bill Burr, that was unfucking believable.
0: Oh no, that was the worst episode. How bad that was. That was an episode that almost made me quit the show. <laughs> but we're not here to talk about The Mandalorian. I do have to tell you this. I know you're smart enough to already know this, but I feel like I need to stress it for anybody who needs to hear this. If you are looking for something that breaks new ground, you are not going to fucking find that anywhere near the Star Wars cinematic mess.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean...
0: (laughs) You're not going to find any new ground in a galaxy far, far away.
1: Well, you know, I have another review to give. Uh, I have another quarantine review. This will be a solo review because you didn't see this. But speaking of Star Wars, I'm also a huge Star Trek fan. And I did watch the entire Picard series... Picard! And when I said that The Mandalorian was bad, The Mandalorian is like Citizen Kane compared to <laughs> Picard. I mean, Picard was fucking awful. I mean, awful, 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 awful. Unbelievable. I mean, there their scenes...
0: I was watching those overly long Red Letter Media reviews just because it turned me on how much they did not like that show. And they just kept being like, well, in Star Trek... They would normally do this, but on
1: Picard, <laughs> I was trying to convince Manny to like hate watch it with me, just so that we could like make fun of it while we watch it, because I knew it was going to be that bad, and it, and
0: it was. Oh well, you didn't you didn't pitch it as that though. <laughs> you were just like, "Hey, we should watch, <laughs> we should watch a Star Trek show," and I was like, "Or I could just jump off my building." But if you would have been like, "Hey, look, I'm pretty sure this is going to suck." and it's going to be more entertaining for the both of us if we watched it together, I'd be like, oh, okay, I can do that." I mean, that's 50% of the relationship I have with my girlfriend is me hating the stuff that she's hate-watching. Well,
1: I don't think we could watch that many... I don't think we could hate-watch that many episodes together. (laughs) I mean, mean, it's hard enough to hate-watch one movie together, let alone uh, six episodes or ten-episode series. But there's one scene where Picard literally says... I don't have it all figured out just yet, but there's something happening with this plot and I don't i don't know what it is. It's like, even Picard doesn't know. The writers don't know. Nobody knows what's going Like, how do you expect me to even explain what's going on? I don't know what's going on. Nobody knows. The story makes literally no sense. It makes less than no sense. And you know who I blame? Not Alex Kurtzman. Don't say that. Because I don't know what Alex Kurtzman does. I don't know what he doesn't do.
0: Donald Trump. No, I blame... You blame Donald Trump. No. We all blame Donald Trump. No, I blame Brett Spiner, the actor who plays Data.
1: (laughs) Because everybody knows that the best thing about the next generation is Picard and Data and their relationship. And even though I know the guys on Red Letter Media don't care for their relationship, but I love it. And if it was just those two guys running around as their old characters doing some Star Trek shenanigans, I would have loved it. Or I at least would have watched it. Been like, okay, you know, it wasn't so bad. But Brett Spiner is such an asshole. He tells the writers, he tells everybody, I refuse to undo what they did in the last Star Trek movie where Data dies. Data has all these other brothers and stuff. They saved his brain. There's all these clones of him. They easily could have took his brain, put it in his brother B4's body, or his other brother Lore's body, or they could have created a new body for him. Or they could have just said, you know, here's a new Data that's just like the old Data. You know, whatever. I mean, it's science fiction. You can bring the guy back. Data, or Brett Spiner rather, refused to do it that way. And instead, he came back only as like a dream and then he came back as himself in like the ninth episode, like old ass Brent Spiner. And he was like a human
0: character. He's the Bill Murray of the Star Trek universe.
1: Yeah, at this point. He knows everybody loves him. He knows that this is the only way for him to make a paycheck. But he just refuses to play, come back and play a character that everybody loves to see him play. And a character that everybody loves. It's all Brent Spiner's fault. So that's who I'm going to blame.
0: He's going to refuse to make any new Star Trek yeah. as Data, but at the same time he's going to go on to voice Marmaduke in the uh 3D animation adaptation of the horrible comic strip.
1: Uh well, I have no comment. I don't I don't know anything about that. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to give my review Picard is is trash and the only reason I watched it is because they gave away a free month of, of NBC All Access, so I checked it out, but it was it was god-awful. But Mandalorian, was honestly, was much better. Mandalorian was watchable. You could watch it and then kind of pick it apart and be like, you know what, this is stupid, you know, at the end of it. But this Picard, it was like, it was a fucking schlog to watch it. It was like, let me just get through 15 minutes, you know, let me... I'll reward myself with a snack if I can watch 15 more minutes of this show Like for every 15 minutes.
0: (laughs) While we're plugging streaming (laughs) services, uh, if anybody follows the Twitter, they've seen me tweet about this, but Mm -hmm. I did the free trial with Shudder, and I found a really great anthology series, a horror anthology. The content on Shudder, like their specific thing is that, It really caters towards the fans of like horror, Mm -hmm. you know, independent, low budget slasher movies, things like that. But it has a lot of modern stuff. And part of the reason why I did the free trial and why I might end up ultimately subscribing to the service, although if Shudder, anybody from Shudder's listening and they want to, you know, maybe kind of give me more incentive to talk about the service, by all means, like send me a code. But there is an anthology series on there called Channel Zero. Have you ever heard of it? No, I have not. Okay, Channel Zero is a sci-fi horror anthology series. So think like American Horror Story, where every season is a different storyline, but sometimes you'll have actors come back and play a different role in the new season. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's much more streamlined. Every season is six episodes, they pack a lot of story, visuals and character development into it. But each season is based on a different internet creepypasta. And I believe I've I've introduced the term to you before, but for anybody listening who's not heard of it, creepypasta is just a creepy horror story that is shared on the internet. It's a take on on copy and paste, um a copy pasta. So Uh, They they used four different creepypastas as the basis for creating a six-episode arc. And the first season has some really good visuals. The story kind of starts to drop off as it goes along. Mm -hmm. But season two was, for me, my favorite one. Mm. It's based on a story called No End House which is a fantastic uh, story. If you've never read a Creepypasta before, it's a great story to start with. But that season was really great, and it expands so much beyond, because these stories themselves are, if you printed them out, they'd be maybe 10, 12 pages. Most of them are usually like three or four. So there's not that much to start with. The latest season, season four, was based on a story called Hidden Door, which has a longer title than that, but that's how everyone refers to it. Mm -hmm. But in the first episode, by like, you know, the halfway mark, they've covered the entire short story itself, because the short story is about 1,200 words. And where it goes from there is really incredible. I enjoyed the hell out of it. Mm. And anybody that can stomach watching stuff that does have some... You know, disturbing imagery, things that seem kind of like right out of a nightmare. You won't enjoy the series because of that. But if you can fight past that, it's really rewarding watching. I enjoyed it very, very much.
1: Okay. I will. So that's
0: Channel Zero Sci-Fi. You can get it right now on Shudder. Also on Shudder, and this was the real reason I went and downloaded Shudder. You ever hear of a movie called One Cut of the Dead? No. Okay, One Cut of the Dead. It is a Japanese low budget independent zombie movie mm-hmm. where it starts off. It is a single take of behind the scenes footage for a crew that is making a zombie film. And then during the making of their zombie film, which is not going smoothly, they get attacked by zombies. Ah. And that goes on. And then the story just kind of keeps morphing from there. Right. And I got to tell you, it's one of the most rewarding things I've ever watched. And the less you know about it going in, like what I've told you so far is the most you would want to know if you watch it. Try not to read anything else. It's it's a bit like Parasite, where if you don't know that much going in, you're going to enjoy it so much more. Because you're going to have all those surprises come at you. Right. And your mind is just going to be like, wait, wait, what is happening now? And then it's all going to catch up to you. And as soon as I finished watching it, based on everything that I just saw, I went back, restarted it at the beginning and started watching it back through again because I was like, now I know things. And this is so entertaining to go back with that knowledge. Oh. What, what's that one called again? One Cut of the Dead. See, I feel like I'm more likely
1: to check that one out just because it's like one movie.
0: The Japanese title for it literally translates to Don't Stop That Camera. They made it in 2017 for roughly 25,000 American. Mm -hmm. And the guy who made it conceptualized the whole thing, I believe, right after he took a filmmaking class just a couple of weeks prior to the start of production. And then he made this film that, you know, it's gotten some awards, it's gotten some attention. I think it's had a hell of a gross because I think now it's like at $35 on its gross. Oh, wow. Yeah,
1: that's that's fucking awesome. That that sounds good. The other one seems like too much work to watch all this show. You must have a lot of free time on your hands watching all this sh- all this TV.
0: Uh, you know, sometimes when I'm working on the podcast or I'm working on other stuff, you know, because I've been writing, I've been working on some artwork and stuff. Yeah. Obviously, I'm I'm staying at home like a, a lot of people are right now. Yeah. So we constantly have the TV on in the background. Yeah. And I got to tell you, I don't imagine that I could go back to a life without internet and streaming services if I just had to watch cable. Right. Because on the occasion that I do watch the television broadcast, the over-the-air broadcast, I start to try and like rewind to back up to something I might have just missed. And then I'm just like, oh, I can't do that because this is live TV. Mm -hmm. I could set my stuff up to do it. But I have a really bad habit now of I'll start playing like a YouTube video or a movie or something. And then I will get up and walk out of the room and go do something else. And it continues playing. And then I have to come back and back it up like 10 minutes. Yeah,
1: me too. Yeah. I also have a bad habit of like, I'll start a video before I go take a bath or a shower or something, and then it'll start playing some commercial that somehow is like two hours long. Like I'm watching a video that's like two minutes long, and then it segues into a commercial that's two hours long, and I'm sitting there having to like watch it, and I'm like, what am I watching? Especially if it's about like natural men's deodorants, like those go on for a long time. Yeah.
0: Well, the worst is like when you'll do the thing where you'll be in bed and just playing videos while you're on your phone or like half awake or whatever, or... You'll be watching something. It'll get to the end. The credits will start playing. And you're like, okay, cool. It's just going to play the credits for about 10, 15 seconds to the countdown. And then jump to the next video. And then there's going to be ads at the beginning of it. And this is for like Hulu. Yeah. So you get up. You go to the bathroom. You go out of the room. Pour yourself a drink. You know, get something to eat. And you walk back in. And there's ads playing. Yeah. Then the ads finish. And then it jumps to the next episode. And you're like, oh, wait. They snuck in an ad break at the end of the credits that is playing, and then there's gonna be new ads for the next episode that I'm gonna start watching. Ooh, that is sneaky. It's real fun to think about how our lives are so built around just being advertised to.
1: I know, it's, it's sad and, and a little pathetic. For Hulu, we don't watch much Hulu, but we also, we spring for the more expensive one without the commercials. Because we just can't, we just we can't with these commercials.
0: We subscribed to some premium networks, like we had HBO on there. Eileen really wanted to watch new episodes of Stars, so she signed up for Stars, hmm. which uh, I had gotten Stars last year. And the reason why I got that was so I could watch American Gods. First season of that was really good. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed the Neil Gaiman novel. The second season of that just they changed showrunners, I believe, and it just went right off of a cliff. Like, it, it it was almost like a Game of Thrones kind of thing.
1: Oh, really? I never saw Game of Thrones. I know people like that. Yeah.
0: I haven't seen that one. I, imagine all of Star Wars compressed into eight seasons of television, basically. Like, A New Hope all the way through Rise of Skywalker. That's that's what Game of Thrones is, essentially. <laughs> That is a frustrating show. You think you're mad about Picard. (laughs) Let Picard waste eight seasons of your life on its bullshit. And then you'll start to understand just the frustration of somebody who's just like, why did I start watching this goddamn show? (laughs) Well, we
1: got Disney Plus... And I'm actually really happy with, like, how cheap it is. Like, $6.99? That's a fantastic price. And I like having access to all the older Disney properties. Like, they've got DuckTales on there. They've got all these, like, 60s movies. They've got stuff that I like, like, Swiss Family Robinson and Old Yeller, Pollyanna. They have all kinds of, like, old Disney stuff. And having the Marvel stuff is cool. Star Wars in 4K looks really nice, I must
0: say. You know what else they have? They got some of that
1: Darkwing duck, duck. Yeah, I watched a few minutes of that. Uh, I watched a little bit of that X-Men. Dude,
0: X-Men, the animated series, is the best thing if you get baked before you go to bed. <laughs> Wolverine is so <laughs> racist in like these, these weird ways where they can get away with it because he's usually yelling at aliens. <laughs> but yeah, God, that is... That show is so funny and I remember when I first started watching it back, I don't know, I was probably 12 or 13 and the X-Men were relatively new to me and all of a sudden there there was an animated series along with like the Sega video game and stuff. It was it was a great time to be alive. But going back and watching that now as an adult, I'm like, "Wow, this is like really trying to take some heavy stuff, but then they're just like, "Well, this is for kids." So, how can we make this seem heavy but also dumbing it down so that, you know, we feel like kids can understand it. Watching it now, it's like, no, like I definitely got what this was about when I was a kid. You can see it now as an adult, and you're like, this is all so hilarious because it's done in such a way that's real hammy and melodramatic. Yeah, I was going to say that. It, it's fun. It's a blast. I was going to
1: say melodramatic. And another thing I remember about X-Men, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember it seemed like the story would jump wildly out of like context from one episode to the next. It's like if you were trying to follow some kind of like – grandiose story, like Oh yeah. Not only was there not a grandiose story, but like they would just dramatically change like who was in the X Men and who wasn't and they would just hop around in time, it seemed like and it was like so confusing to try to keep up with it.
0: No, it wasn't just episode to episode. It was scene to scene. <laughs> Sometimes you'd be sitting there watching, and I try to view everything as what was the writer trying to accomplish with this episode. And then I start looking at did the director's vision match up with the writer's? Did the actors kind of all seem to be together with a similar unified vision? But, you know, with X Men, it's just a matter of. What the fuck was the writer thinking when they wrote this? (laughs) And there will be scenes where you'll watch like two characters fighting. And then all of a sudden, one character is like in a different room. And the character they were fighting is like, hold on, I can't lose you right now. And you're like, wait, when did they become friends? What is going on? All of a sudden, somebody else shows up. There's a great series of episodes. in I think season three. Yeah where Apocalypse starts kidnapping a bunch of psychics from around the world, but there's also time travel going on at the same time. Mm -hmm. You watch this episode, and it's just like, wait, wait, what is going on? And it's even more fun when you're high because all of a sudden you take a different perspective on things. (laughs) You start paying more attention to stuff that isn't as important when you're sober and feeling normal. And at the same time, like everything is moving a little bit faster than you can really keep up with. And so you kind of go in and out of like what's happening because every time you have a new thought, you get fixated on that. And then you look up and you're like, oh, wait. Now Cable's there. Well, isn't Cable a weird name? Like Cable's a thing. You, and you start going on a different logical thread. Man, there will be times where I'll look up and then just, I'll think in my brain, I'm like, okay, Wolverine is going to throw a guy through a wall. And as I'm thinking that, Wolverine just charges in, throws a guy through a wall, and says like some crazy one-liner, and it's the funniest fucking thing in the world and wolverine's an asshole who has just two goals being left to fuck alone and trying to score with jean (laughs) gray i
1: i remember i love the voice actor who played wolverine in that i felt like that was that was like the best like the way that that dude would voice wolverine like To me, that's my Wolverine. Like, I love Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, too, but that dude, his voice, like, just. And the guy who played Gambit, I love that. Oh my god, Gambit. If I had to guess, I would say the issue with X Men is the fact that they're probably writing stuff based on certain comic books. And in the comic books, I guess they change around, like, who's in the X Men and whatnot. Who do you think of being, like, the core members? That are always there. You know, you think of Cyclops, probably uh, Jean Grey. I would say half and half. Like I could imagine her not being there. Beast, I'd like him to be there. Wolverine, of course. Professor X, and then in the series they always had Gambit there. Rogue, Gambit, yeah, Rogue. You know, but characters like Beast. Fucking Jubilee. Yeah, Jubilee sucks though. But sometimes yeah, Jubilee s-
0: sucks.
1: Yeah, dude, she's the worst. <laughs> Fuck Jubilee. <laughs> yeah it's like i can cause a a celebration it's it's ridiculous it doesn't make sense it's stupid like
0: they're fucking firework powers get the fuck out of here
1: there's even an, an episode where she's trying to like demonstrate her powers and all she can do is like make a little firework like that's literally it
0: Oh, I thought her power was getting abducted and making everyone have to come to rescue her.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because she can't save herself because she can't do shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she sucks. I'm so glad she wasn't in the movies. As soon as they revealed that they kind of gave Rogue the Jubilee role and Jubilee wasn't in it, I was like, oh, they're on the right foot with this. They. (laughs) <laughs> they really know what they're doing <laughs> with these movies yes yeah, so speaking of i was looking through my movies the other day and i realized that i have x-men dark phoenix and i didn't realize that i had that and then i had a friend that was asking me to put it on He was like oh have you seen this i was like oh yeah i've seen it it sucks and then we put it on and i was like you know what i haven't seen this like i watched like five minutes of it and i was like oh this blows and i just never like I never finished it. And so that was another movie that I watched like 10 minutes at a time. I got to about the 45 minute mark, I think. But that is a real piece of shit. That Dark (laughs) Phoenix movie. Like, wow. Like, how on
0: oh my god I don't know why my girlfriend wanted to see that movie and we ended up taking a flight somewhere and she borrowed my laptop so she could watch the movie and then she didn't get to finish it because of the flight and I was just like why is this something you want to watch the last X-Men movie X-Men Apocalypse was terrible it was so bad yeah And I remember sitting with her, and the trailers would come on for Dark Phoenix, and she's like, we got to go see that. And I was like, but it looks bad. And she goes, no, I know it looks bad, but i got to go see it. And I was like, I don't understand why. Like, you have only so much time on the face of this earth, and part of the way you're going to spend that time is by watching this fucking movie. (laughs) Like, what's going on? I guess... I guess it's kind of up there with the fact that I wanted to go and watch Terminator Dark Fate, even though I knew it was going to be as bad as it was. Exactly. But it was specifically because I had to see for myself how bad is this. And then I knew that I was watching it because you and I were going to have a conversation about it. And I think we had a very funny conversation. You know
1: what? I still don't. But she
0: doesn't even have a podcast. So it's like, why do you want to see this movie? (laughs) Who are you going to talk to about it? I'm not going to watch it. I know.
1: At least we can talk trash on the internet and people can listen to it. But you know what I still don't understand about the Dark Fate movie is how is it different than Terminator Genesis? Like isn't it the exact same movie? <laughs> well no, cuz like, you I don't see get it.
0: Terminator Dark Fate, which is the 6th installment, is actually a sequel to Terminator 2. But wasn't what they did wasn't that Genesis also? Terminator Dark Fate, Terminator Genesis never happened. Amelia Clark is just some bitch from Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> but
1: all they did was take all the like terminator elements, slap a vagina on it and put it in a blender. Like that's all they did. And they did that twice in a row. You don't understand.
0: Now all the heroes are women. <laughs> and that and that appeals that appeals to women. And Arnold as the T800, he's a feminist.
1: I know. I know. I get it. But he believes women can shoot guns too. But, I mean, do we still believe in the old idea that, like, guys more or less like action movies and girls more or less like romantic comedy kind of movies? Is that still, like, an okay thing to think or say? Like, is that – like, remember that movie uh, My Big Fat Asian Wedding? Or what was it called? My Big
0: Fat Greek Wedding or Crazy Rich Asians?
1: Yeah, that's fun. Crazy Rich Asians.
0: (laughs) The movie you were trying to tell me I needed to see, the one that you can't remember the title to a couple years later – Hey, I liked Man, it. Man, I I missed out on that. I liked it, you know. But anyways, I can tell. You definitely <laughs> stuck with you.
1: <laughs> I was doing a joke, but anyways. <laughs> if you don't get my joke, then you don't get it. But it was it was a joke because right, I combined. No, two. I got
0: it. I I get the joke. Okay, it, good. It, did you not hear me laugh? I'm looking at I'm looking at the the freaking seismograph of my laugh right now on my laptop. I know, I know. I'm just kidding. I'm peaking levels. I'm but sorry, listeners. The point the point Listener. is
1: I mean, you know, you wouldn't take that movie and make it like I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but <laughs> for an action movie, it's okay for it to like be about guys and to star guys. Like because guys are in the market, who's gonna go see it? Like girls don't wanna see it. Or is that, is that not okay to say that kind of thing anymore? Well, like what's the – what's the is do girls want to see – Right
0: now, outside of this recording, I'm going through that episode that we recorded. And one of the things that you said during that episode was – because you said things that are very similar to what you're saying right now, which if you just took those quotes and put that out there, yeah, the Angies of the world are going to get a little perturbed with what you're saying. Okay. Or what they perceive that you're saying. But you. No, no. I, I watched this movie with Angie. You made a point early on in the episode, which I felt like kind of shows what you really mean by what you're saying, which is it is fine to have a female protagonist and a female protagonist in an action film. Mm-hmm. But if all you're doing is gender swapping characters then you're not creating a real person you're just trying to get a little bit of equity for saying look this is representation in film right i get credit for that and i thought more and more about it and one of the conclusions i came to is that by simply saying to a studio hey look you had gay characters in your film you did good you get those little brownie points for that That doesn't allow anybody to actually learn anything because the people that are putting those characters in, all they're doing is they're changing a couple of words on a script and then hitting print. Yeah, you definitely need to have representation in film and television because it shows, hey, these people do exist. If you're out there, and you're part of the minority, you're seeing a representation of yourself, and that validates that we see you, we know you exist, you're in the public consciousness, you don't need to feel like you're invisible. That's very important. But you have to go beyond just acknowledging that someone actually exists. Yeah. Because then, otherwise, you make everything stick out, and you make it seem as if, yeah, you know what? These people, you do kind of perk up when you notice them, because they are odd and different. We're trying to highlight that right now by putting them on the screen and then really stressing like in the new Birds of Prey film, the Harley Quinn movie hey, Rosie Perez's character is a lesbian, but there's nothing else beyond the fact that another character she talks to is her ex-girlfriend to really explain to you what is her experience like as a lesbian and why is that relevant to her character within this story as opposed to just saying, well, so-and-so over there is playing a lesbian, so we got a lesbian in this. We got two lesbians because her ex-girlfriend's in it too, played by Ali Wong. And it's one step to move forward and say okay now we are acknowledging the existence of people that aren't part of this mainstream by showing them in the film versus when you go to saying, hey, here is something that is centered around this person and their experience because their experiences are relevant and they are just as valuable and just as interesting as your experiences as part of the majority in the mainstream.
1: Well, but, I, you know, you are I'm not talking about any of that stuff, though, to, to be fair to me. I mean, we're talking about what I'm saying.
0: No, no, you're, you're talking about the former, which is you're saying that if all you're doing is gender swapping your characters, changing pronouns and putting a female's name, you know, in place of what would be traditionally perceived of as a male's name, you're not doing anything because you're not presenting something as what's important about this character and their struggles is their identity. And at the same time, because they have this identity, it does not mean that it's completely different and completely alien to yours, the typical hetero male white viewer.
1: But I, I don't even think the people creating the movie are thinking of it with their heads on straight. Like, I think all they're thinking about is like an article on the Internet that's going to come out and say, like, the new Terminator's out and it's just a man fest again. It's just another man fest like one of those kind of internet articles, like they just don't want to be fodder for somebody on the internet to criticize them and say like, "Look what they didn't do," you know, "Your movie sucked," and if you would have just had a woman in it, it could have been good. It could have been interesting had a woman been in it, you know, or some kind of logic like that. But more, what I'm talking about is demographics. I don't want to get too political because I don't, I don't even want to hear your opinion at all. <laughs> but like, you know how they talk about Thanks. demographics? I appreciate it. No problem. You know exactly what I mean. But you know how they talk about demographics? Like, they'll say things like, all black people like Joe Biden, and all Mexican people like this candidate. You know how they do that? That whole weird thing? Or they'll say like, all...
0: Yeah, you generalize a group of people. You just basically lump them all in as yeah, which thinking is... the same, which is not true. Not all black people like Joe Biden. Yeah,
1: <laughs> which is fucking ridiculous. And, and in voting, it's exactly the same as in watching movies. Do they still think of things in terms of like, men go see action movies, and women go see romantic comedies like do they still think like that do they use the same i believe
0: it's a lot more nuanced now than it was back when you and i were kids yeah okay i think everything catered more toward a very exclusive interest and perspective and that's why you have so many films from a time period that are basic variations on different high quality canon films essentially That's why you have, you know, actors who are extremely limited in their talents like Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jean-Claude Van Damme. But they have a great physicality and they had such successful careers, whereas now it's not about that. You know, you do have Chris Hemsworth, who is, you know, a big, chiseled, strong guy. But outside of his role in the Avengers movies he's not somebody that it's just like, okay, every summer he releases two or three films and they absolutely rake in the first two, three, four, however many weekends just based on their star power. It's not like that. right? You know, you have Ryan Gosling in the early 20 teens was extremely hot in terms of his box office viability. Yeah. And now it's, I'm, I'm trying to think of the person who would be now. Shia LaBeouf. But it, it's it's so much different now. I'm not going to say that it's so much better, but I think that because of how fragmented the viewing sphere is, and it's going to be even more fragmented after coronavirus, that it's not all based on monoliths of the box office. And this is the time of year when these types of movies get released, and it's these names that are at the front of them. Now it's a lot more different and everything is a lot more splintered where they have more kind of niche audiences that they can really rely upon. I mean, it keeps everything from becoming one big monopoly, which is kind of ironic to say in the face of Disney owning fucking everything now yeah
1: and you know i mean i think terminator is such an interesting case study because the first two movies are good and because the universe quote-unquote that they set up in the first two movies feels like a big universe you know it feels like there's lots of stories to tell in this big 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 universe and here we are six movies later and we're still spinning our wheels about john carner and arnold schwarzenegger and linda hamilton And it's like, where's this big universe that, you know, it's like, it's totally dwindled. It's tried to grow. It's dwindled. It's fallen apart. It's been rebooted.
0: Well, and that's the problem with Star Wars, too. Going back to what you were talking at the beginning, is Star Wars is so difficult because it has chosen to just focus on this small cast of five, six characters and then their offspring and just how those new characters are just repeating a lot of the same beats as the old characters did. And that's really frustrating because... That was what was really cool about The Mandalorian was every single time that The Mandalorian introduced something that was familiar enough that it definitely felt like part of the Star Wars universe, but at the same time was a new character, was in a new context. And you watched it and you're just like, oh, wow. These are characters that existed on the periphery of the story that we've already watched before, but they exist in a place that we recognize because we did watch those films. So there is a reward to us for being fans and for having paid attention to the earlier works that is now getting paid off with this newer work that is trying to set out in a somewhat different direction.
1: That reminds me, I've got some more gripes about Mandalorian, if I may. (laughs) <laughs> so that's what this episode's about <laughs> first of all boba fett is- 40 minutes in we figured it out boba fett is not in the mandalorian it's like this other guy that nobody cares about it's like remember that co- really cool character from star wars that you kind of care about this isn't him remember yoda who you really cared about this isn't him why do i care i don't care Oh, we're going to learn about their culture and how cool their culture is. Oh, cool. Let's learn about it. Oh, it's not cool. It's not cool at all. It's stupid. It doesn't make any sense. It, it sounds borderline religious, like this is our creed. I have spoken. Nick (laughs) Nolte.
0: Those are totally fair criticisms that you're leveling there. And I'm not going to sit here and try and find fault in them. You know, for me, one of the things I did not like about the new Star Wars trilogy had to do with the fact that they weren't willing to go beyond the story of the Skywalkers and the Senator Palpatines.
1: Well, now they're telling the story about the Rays and the Poe Dameron's.
0: They felt constricted to focusing on those bloodlines, which wasn't why people were watching. People weren't watching because they're like, well, we need to see Chewbacca. We need to see Han Solo, even though he's 40 years older by now. We need to see Leia Organa, even though she's 40 years older by now. Mark Hamill's 40 years older. We need to have an appearance by Yoda. You don't need those things. The universe that was established already has more than enough material to go out there and mine. For all its faults, like Solo, that was one of the things that it did try to do. That was a movie that really did not have a lightsaber in it. I know that Darth Maul showed up, but you could easily cut that out and it's the same film still. And it tried to go to some different places. It did too much fan service by doing the Kessel Run and bullshit like that. But, you know, you did see these glimpses of this dystopian universe that you knew existed. That's in there, the Kessel Run? Yeah, they're doing a thing where they're being chased or something, and that's where the par Six come up. I, I don't oh, know. Oh like... my
1: god, that is so st- That's
0: the stuff I gave the least amount of shit about. That was one of the things is every time in Mandalorian where there was something new that still felt Star Wars, I was like, this is cool. And this is why I was interested in watching this and why I'm continuing to watch it. Whereas anytime they slipped in some fan service, you know, like the stormtroopers failing to be able to hit a can that's right in front of them. I was like... It's not as funny as the amount of time that it's Dude, given. You watch the
1: original Star Wars movie and just pause every time that somebody says, like, a one line sentence where they went on and made, like, a trilogy of movies about it later <laughs> on. Or, <laughs> you know, like, like one part, they're like, <laughs> oh, he fought in the Clone Wars. Like, oh, he did? Like, oh, boy, they're going to make some movies and some bullshit about that. Tell you
0: what. Uh, there's going to be an entire fucking five season series. Yeah. And- but to the credit from a lot of the things I heard, is it's, it's actually pretty good. So, yeah. again, like, if you're making a spin off that creates new characters that exist within this world and they have storylines that do or do not connect back to the original story, but it's still compelling and entertaining nonetheless, it's entertainment that's why you're doing it so people are entertained. Well... I'm not entertained just because you're referencing something that I'm aware of. I know there's people out there that love that. And those are people that either can't pay attention and or they're just dumb, you know, and they can't focus on anything else. They can't grasp any other ideas. But my thing is, is I don't care if it's a character I've heard of or not. I want to know, is this somebody who's interesting and compelling to watch? Is there things happening that are making me interested and compelling me to watch further? Yeah. You know, I wasn't watching Channel Zero the series I talked about at the beginning, because I was like, oh, I've heard of the creepypasta, I want to watch the episode. I was watching it because they had interesting characters whom I'd never heard before, going through interesting experiences that I found fascinating.
1: Well, whenever I am watching something like Star Wars, like, I'm not trying to think how many sequels can they make of this. Like, Especially if I'm watching like Empire Strikes Back or Return of the Jedi What's so fascinating about it is how seamlessly they're able to make these sequels that follow the same characters, they're still interesting, and I'm not sitting there like baffled over like, why am I watching this? Or why did they make this? You know, like when I watch something like Terminator Dark Fate, I'm just, I spend the whole movie scratching my head wondering like, why? I mean, who decided to make this? Why did they make it? Why am I watching it? It's like, it's it's so organic when it's done right.
0: Yeah, same thing with Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker, you cannot say anything about that was organic. (laughs) It was one of those things where you do sit there and spend that time just being like, Who are they making this for? Why does this exist? You just sit there and watch a story play out and somebody's working from a foregone conclusion and they're just trying to find ways to lace all these threads that were introduced by previous stories through those foregone conclusions and give something that has the broadest possible appeal in in terms of a resolution, how the story ends up. And man, that is frustrating to just sit through when you can see it happening in front of you. You're just like, you guys are just... You know, it's masturbation.
1: But how could George Lucas have made Star Wars and Indiana Jones at the exact same time? And, like, make these perfect trilogy of movies? I know he didn't direct Indiana Jones, but... You know, make these like perfect trilogy of movies where you follow the same character, but it's not the exact identical same story. And, you know, the settings change enough. New characters come in. It's all handled so artfully. And then fast forward 30 years later, and they don't have a clue of how to do this anymore. Nobody knows how to make a sequel. Nobody knows how to follow these same characters anymore. It's like, what has happened?
0: Because what that stuff is is its cinematic hubris. That's what it is. It's this whole operation to where it says, we've worked out the calculations and based on the actors that we have involved, the names that are attached to this in terms of director, producer, writer, that when we plan to release this the runtime they have all these formulas worked out where they say this movie should the projections are say it's going to make 600 7 million seven hundred a billion dollars based on those and so it's worth the risk of spending 300 million dollars in the production and then another 250 million on the marketing for it because even if they end up mostly breaking even on the movie as long as they've got the merchandising and all the product tie-ins the average advertisement the money that's that's going to come back in that's unrelated to the box office sales as long as they've got that then they're fine
1: all right another thing that I did want to bring up is we were trying to kick around some some bad movies to watch the other day and there's this really bad movie I've been trying to get Manny to watch for a long time and he wanted me to lay out like a formal list of like all the things that I like about it or whatever that whatever that's worth for a bad movie but it's this movie called Class of 1999. It was made in 1990. And this thing used to come on HBO like when I was between eight and 10 years old. And it's kind of a Terminator ripoff movie. Uh, What's hilarious about it is it's about these teachers that get replaced at this high school by these like killer Terminator robot teachers. But what's crazy about the plot line is that the high school has been taken over by gangs by these two rival gangs. I'd have to look up the names of them, but I remember it was like the Black Hearts was one of them.
0: It's got a real vibe of Escape from New York to it where the school
1: That's what I was going to say. Yeah,
0: the school is situated in the middle of like what is hostile territory in this dystopian future version of Seattle. Yeah. I do know some plot details about it. It's just I've yet to see the kind of things in it that really cause you to be an acolyte of this film. But I think if I did watch it, I would, I would get what appeals to you about it.
1: I'll give you the, the full formal list. You, you hit one thing right on the head, the Escape from New York. This movie feels like a lost John Carpenter movie. And I think there's a lot of movies like that out there. And there was another one that I was going to bring up, too, that also kind of feels like a lost John Carpenter movie. But it's like, this is a movie John Carpenter could have made like in between Escape from New York and you know, A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to China. Or whatever that other Kurt Russell movie was. Big Trouble in um, China. Yeah, I know. I was joking. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and um, I can't stand that movie. I know some people like that movie. but But anyways, so there's these two rival gangs, right? And they have taken over this high school. And what you're basically rooting for to have happen is that the two gangs join forces and kill the Terminator teachers and kind of, like, blow up the school. But what's funny is that the the teachers are kind of, like, the good guys in the story. They're just trying to, like, teach the kids and, like, get the gangs under control. But once they start vigorously scolding the kids to the point to where they start killing the kids, then that's when the gangs have to unite and kind of, like, fight against them. And what I love about it is that they really go all out with, like, the production budget and, like, with the idea about the world of the whole thing. They show you these, like, futuristic cars. They've got all these sets that where they go from. And they've got this lead actor who is like a Corey Feldman knockoff. He's like if Corey Haim and Corey Feldman like morphed into one person and his acting it seems like it's like his first movie or something. It's not that he's bad, it's just that he seems so like amateurish, like so unseasoned. It's kind of charming in a weird way. And I like the movie because they try really hard with the effects. They've got famous actors in there like uh, Andy McDowell. Malcolm McDowell? Yeah, Malcolm McDowell. That's the name. Malcolm McDowell, Stacey Keach, Pam, Pam Grier. Greer. So the movie obviously has some kind of a budget. It's just funny because it's like a Terminator ripoff. It's not something that I can now like watch and still enjoy the same way I did when I was 10 years old, obviously. But another thing that, that made me uh, reminisce about the movie was that I saw it on HBO when I was 10, around the same time that I saw other movies like Gleaming the Cube and Monster Squad and Toy Soldiers and like a lot of movies that once the DVDs started coming out, I realized like these movies weren't coming out on DVD and it just it added an extra layer of like appreciation for it. It's like, you know, you can't even get Class of 1999 on DVD. So finally, when that finally came out years later, I went out and bought it. I was like, oh, Class of 1999, I haven't seen this in 10 years. You know, like, oh, this movie's so cool. And then, you know, obviously you go back.
0: Wait, so are you telling me that you didn't spend an entire semester of college working on a project where you were doing a DVD transfer of Class of 99 from a laser disc, a Japanese laser disc?
1: They only had an Australian laser disc of Class of 1999. (laughs) and that one i couldn't get my hands on
0: (laughs) you couldn't use that because (laughs) well you've been a really naughty boy so i guess that means we're gonna have to bring you in for some corporal punishment (laughs) No, not sure if I sound more New Zealish than I do Australian,
1: but good day, mate. No, when I looked into it, they had an Australian DVD of it, actually, to be more to be more precise. But it had like a weird edit- editing thing on there, to where they had edited it uh, down or something. Like it was like the PG thirteen version or like the PG oh, okay. version or something like that. But it caught my eye because it wasn't available. You know, also like did you ever hear of or see Gleaming the Cube? No. The Christian Slater movie where where he's like a skater. He's a skateboarder and he's got this uh he's got this uh, adopted Vietnamese brother and his brother gets murdered. And so he has to like this time he has to skate. Like usually he just skates cuz he's like a fucking punk, but this time he's got to skate for justice and like he puts on all of this skater gear and he goes out and like skate fights all the bad guys like <laughs> <laughs> and there's another movie uh prayer of the roller boys oh my god And that's... this one pairs really good see prayer of the roller boys pairs good with gleaming the cube but it also pairs good with class of 1999 so it would be like a perfect uh double feature like quentin tarantino famously does this thing where he like gets his friends together and like makes them watch double features like if i had that kind of pool like i can't even get manny to watch one movie while he's drunk but if i had the kind of pool that quentin tarantino has
0: (laughs) (laughs) well that's because we both get distracted It's not because I'm like, fuck you, Matt. We're not that good of friends. It's because we start, like, just dicking around. And then you're just like, hey, you want to go to the store and get some food and walk around? And I'm like, sure, what the hell? We're not watching anything.
1: <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm easily distracted. I'm the worst. But anyway, Prayer of the Roller Boys is, is this other futuristic movie. And this one's cool because it stars... Corey Haim in it he plays this kid in this future world oh it's the same it has the same background as Class of 1999 there's like this future drug that everyone is using that the gang members are also dealing like that same plot line is in Prayer of the Roller Boys too. but in Prayer of the Roller Boys he's clean Corey Feldman is clean and there's this gang of guys that all wear roller skates and white long flowing white robe jacket things and they skate around and they say, day of the rope, day of the rope. And you're wondering like, what is that? What's the day of the rope? He Whoa, sounds intimidating. I know, it's, it's frightening. He gets into the gang. The cops stop him and he works out a deal with the cops where he's like, okay, I'll infiltrate the roller boys. And so he starts working for the roller boys. He starts dealing the substance and he's in the gang and then... That movie has a tighter, like, plot structure, I would say, than Class of 1999. But they're both just epically bad movies. Just stupid, bad. They take place in the in the future, but it's like this lame future that with a set design. Even though they try, it still, like, really falls flat on its ass, you know? It's like bad filmmaking. But those are some movies, like, if we were watching bad movies, that th- that's what I would pitch. Wow,
0: they sound incredible.
1: I know. And they're terrible, you know? They're bad movies. Well, obviously... class of 1999 though You can actually see that for free on Vudu. All you have to do is watch it with the ads. So what I was going to pitch to you, you know, we could sit here and we could watch it on our computers. We could talk bad about it. Okay. You know, we could drink heavily, obviously, while we're doing that. Record a live commentary. And then the listeners, if you guys want to, you could go find this movie. You could watch it along with us and laugh at it. So once again, that's Class of 1999. That's the one about the Terminator teachers that are killing the rival gangs that are going to this one high school in this militarized zone where you're not allowed to bring your guns to school. So that's Class of 1999.
0: Well, and from what I understand, Class of 99 is a sequel to a movie called Class of 84?
1: Yes, Class of 1984, which is like a a reference to the the George Orwell novel. But that one I never saw, in all honesty. Yeah. And it's not a sequel in terms of like anything is like similar. It's just that it has the same name.
0: Okay. So it doesn't continue on the same storyline, but I think it's the same writer and or director. Correct. Yeah.
1: I think that I think that was his kind of gimmick cuz like 1984 was good for the George Orwell and the 1999 was good for the turn of the century kind of a thing. Okay.
0: Have you ever heard of a movie called uh, Solar Babies?
1: No, it sounds awful. What is that?
0: (laughs) Well, because you started talking about Prayer of the Roller Boys and then Gleaming the Cube. Yeah. And I was like, okay, so all of these like 80s era skater movies. Yeah. And Solar Babies, I've never seen Solar Babies, but I learned about it from the podcast, How Did This Get Made? Mm -hmm. And that is another one of those dystopian future with a very young cast and there's rollerblading roller skating, something like that involved. I'm in. That's all it takes? I'm in.
1: (laughs) Hell yeah. If it's future sci-fi and there's rollerblading, take my money. You got me. I'll watch any old
0: bullshit like that. Just have some kids, have some kind of rolling device that they're on. Oh, man. Gangs, dystopian future, and some crazy new drug that everybody's hooked in. I'm in, baby. I'm in. That's all you got to have.
1: Ask anybody in my house. If it stars like four 10-year-old boys, for whatever reason, I'll watch the shit out of that.
0: (laughs) If it's some variation of Goonies with a dystopian future and or rolling child's device that they can ride on the sidewalk and or street, I'm in. Yeah, it
1: can be modern day. I like it, especially if it has like a detective vibe to it. Like if it's like four 10-year-old kids and they're detectives, like you might as well just... (laughs) (laughs) Just put it on. Don't even ask me. And if me. you can't
0: find that story to watch, you will write that story. Exactly. Someone needs to make your script.
1: <laughs> exactly. And we, we just watched this movie the other day called The Goonie Boys, which we saw for free on like the Roku channel. It's like this Spanglish movie about these kids. They're not called The Goonie Boys in the movie. It seems like they renamed it after the fact. Yeah. But they, uh, they're the scavengers. What they do is they scavenge around for things... That people are looking for, like in the newspaper, somebody will be like, oh, where's my dog? They go scavenge a dog. Like Someone says, oh, I'm looking for this special plant. Can you go scavenge it? These boys, they'll go around and they'll scavenge it. How helpful. Yeah, they're they're great boys. What's hilarious, though, is that the whole movie is in Spanglish. So the main language of it is English. But then people will just spit off and say it like a a Spanish sentence, like every scene or a whole scene will be in Spanish and there won't be any subtitles. And it's like very clearly for this like Spanglish audience. And it's very funny in that way. And a little bit charming, but also kind of off-putting.
0: Maybe the filmmakers who made it, they figured that the best way to like actually sell their film was to make something that they could claim like, hey, this is educational. This is for (laughs) classes where they're trying to teach the students Spanish. And what we're going to do is every once in a while, every single scene is guaranteed to have a sentence spoken in spanish no subtitles the students are going to have to figure out what they're talking about
1: i don't think that was it i think they made it for a spanglish audience which is even funnier like people that live in arizona (laughs) nevada el paso like a lot of spanglish people
0: yeah it's for it's for spanish language people that are trying to work on their english and for english speaking people who are trying to pick up a little bit more Spanish. no it's It's for like it's a movie for almost everybody like
1: english-speaking hispanic kids in america whose parents speak fluent spanish and they speak like broken spanish and they can like understand the movie that's like the it's a very niche audience but somehow i'm in that audience because i watched the shit out of that i was confused yeah i was like why do they keep talking spanish but uh anyways i say we uh i say we wrap this fucker up what do you say?
0: Yeah, I just got to figure out a way to watch Class of 99. I'm sure it's out there somewhere. And then Prayer of the Roller Boys. It's on
1: Voodoo. Oh. It's on Voodoo. You can't see Prayer of the Roller Boys. Oh,
0: okay. They That never came out
1: on DVD. <laughs> so
0: you'll just have to telepathically broadcast the movie into my mind.
1: Well, I have it on DVD. And I'll tell you how I got it. Because... I was in a Walgreens or, or no, a Rite Aid. I was in Chicago or somewhere like that or Pennsylvania, some weird place. And I was in a Rite Aid and they had these like dollar movies and they had Prayer of the Roller Boys as like a dollar movie. And when I looked into it, it never came out on DVD. And like when you put this DVD in, what it is, is it's someone's VHS copy of it, like dubbed onto a DVD. Wow. And, like you can even see like the tracking lines and I think one part of the movie it even comes up and says tracking wow i bought two of those fuckers i bought two <laughs> copies and i shit you not last time <laughs> i'm gonna look it up <laughs> i'm gonna look it you up. you
0: say that with way more pride than any man that is like you should
1: have hold on i'm gonna look it up i'm gonna look up the dvd i didn't the mess around here.
0: i bought two copies right. of this damn thing last time it was well worth the investment of two whole American yes, dollars. last
1: time I looked it up, it was worth $100 on eBay.
0: Wow! For the VHS RIP DVD. Right
1: oh, 83 Right now it's on $83. Buy it now. Wow, dude. The same copy that I have.
0: Wow. Yeah,
1: the same one. So this is my most valuable disc, and I have two of these motherfuckers.
0: I hope the people that are trying to buy that for close to $100 are not buying it because they want to watch it. <laughs> I don't pray at all. I don't. I don't believe. I'm not a believer. But tonight I'm gonna pray for those people.
1: And one time I had a guest at my house. It, there was some. It was my roommate, her friend, his boy, her boyfriend. I don't know the guy at all. He was looking at my collection, and he was talking to me about how he used to work at Amoeba. And he was like, he was kind of commenting on my collection. He's like, oh, you got a lot of rare stuff in here. You know, you got a a great collection. You know, he's he was complimenting me. And then he saw a rip, Prayer of the Roller Boys. He was like, what the fuck? He's like, how do you have this movie? This never came out. And he knew the movie. He knew it never came out. And out of the kindness of my heart, I was kind of like, I was like, dude, I got two copies. Like, if you want a copy, like, I'll give you one. And, and like, he was just like, dude, no. He's like, I can't. I can't take this off your hands. Like, this is a, a real gem <laughs> that you have here. And he, he refused to take it. Yeah, that's a true story.
0: He acted like you were trying to hold, hand him one of your gold bars. He's like, no man, you don't understand what this is worth. I can't I cannot in good conscience take this from you. Yeah. Yeah, that's
1: what he said. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there was something funny i wanted to say in the middle of that too oh when when he's like how do you have a copy of this and just you like kind of doing the evil genius finger thing of being like i have my ways and then you start showing him the making of documentary from your bootleg uh monster squad dvds <laughs> Uh, with that story. So <laughs> can we go ahead and tell that story? Do you think you can tell it in like 2 minutes? No, no. Okay.
1: No, no. Let's let's well, save that one for another time.
0: We have to eventually tell the Monster Squad DVD making of story. I think that could be like its own episode, right? Uh,
1: not not in my opinion, but you know, I want to I want to leave some mystery.
0: I would love for it to be its own episode just the story of you, what it was, was it an entire semester in college? I'm gonna,
1: I need there to be some mystery in the Matt mythos, you know, and that that's one of the that needs to be one of the more mysterious elements for for the time being. I'm just gonna
0: do the elevator pitch, you know. There are times when a great individual will realize that something doesn't exist in the world, and they want to bring that thing to life, and they will go to the ends of the earth and undertake nearly any task to bring forth the object which they so desire, and you did that. Yeah, that's true. And that is the... (laughs) That is the Monster Squad Laserdisc DVD rip story. Yeah, well... You know, a summary of it. Well, essentially,
1: yeah, I I hatched this plan because they didn't have Monster Squad.
0: Don't tell the story. Don't tell the story. I want to save that story. We'll have an episode. We'll tell the whole story. We'll talk about Monster Squad. We'll talk about Black & Decker. We'll we'll cover all of it. That'll be a future episode. Sound good?
1: Nah, I don't know. I I still have, like, scars from that whole time period that haven't, haven't fully healed. Emotional scars. I don't, I don't know how much I can get into it
0: The best way to deal with it, but, the best therapy is, is talking through your problems And your struggles, your worst of times Your traumatic episodes You're going to heal, brother <laughs> You and I are going to do it together for the benefit of our listeners Listener, <laughs> listener
1: Yeah, to the benefit of our listener Alright, is uh, this is Matt, I'm signing off Thank you guys for listening.
0: Yeah, thanks so much for listening. And please uh, reach out to us, sequelatuspodcast gmail.com. Find us on YouTube, find us on Facebook, find us on Twitter, find us on Instagram. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Bye.